Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. In this episode, Janice Fialka presents on her book, What Matters? Reflections on Disability, Community, and Love. But we are not completely leaving the Sandbox Revolution book because each of our panelists here uh, had a hand in that, but we are going to turn it over now to Janice Fialka, who has a very specific view on um, ministry and lovingly raising people. Uh, her book that we are also highlighting is called What Matters? Reflections on Disability, Community, and Love. And also there's a documentary involved there. So Janice, take us take it away. I hope that you all in this uh, group um, are able to hold this magnificent book in your hands soon. I'm honored to be sort of bookend between Lydia and Bill. So um, Lydia, your words of parenting made me feel like so normal, so uh, supported. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to um, begin and I'll read some of this so that I watch my time. But my immediate family includes my husband, Rich Feldman, who's a longtime activist, and our two adults' uh, children, Micah and Emma. And one of our family's most repeated mantra is a quote by the disability activist, Dan Wilkins, who said, a community that excludes even one of its members is no community at all. And I'm guessing that you as uh, church leaders understand that at a deep level. So this message became particularly important to us when our first uh, child, Micah, was born 36 years ago and was given the label of what was then used mental retardation. It's a label we no longer use. More respectively, we refer to it as an intellectual disability, similar to Down syndrome. Over the years, Micah and his community, mainly of disability activists, opened our hearts to what it means to be excluded, and more importantly, what it means to be authentically included. That is to belong for who we are, not who we are supposed to be. Michael was one of the first folks to teach us this. While he was in first grade, he was in a segregated or a self-contained classroom with other kids with labels. And one day, Michael, with his so-called 40 IQ, came home and said, I want to go in the same door as all my other friends. And he catapulted us into a world that we soon learned to call inclusion, where he learned right um, it, side by side with his um, typical peers. Since then, Mike has opened many doors uh, formally shut to him as well as to people with disabilities. And I encourage you to glance at both the book that we will raffle off in a little bit, as well as the film that um, Lydia will put in the chat called Intelligent Lives, which challenged the whole concept of what is intelligence and how do we expand our notion. I wanna go back um, in, um, to a time when I was in college over 50 years ago. And I had planned to be a speech therapist to work with children with uh, what we then called handicaps, now disabilities. You know, I was eager to be of use, to make a difference, to be a helper. A decade later, when Michael was born, it was a much different experience for me. 
I was fine being the helper, the professional, but the mother of a child with a disability, it wasn't what I anticipated. And if I'm gonna be honest, it's really not what I wanted back then. So I had my own issues to face, those very personal issues that are also political, shame, guilt, terror, fear, what we now call internalized ableism, the, the whole why me? And after many decades of hard work and reaching out to good folks, these emotions are no longer part of my life. Well, maybe worry is, but that's common to all of us as parents, right? I had grown up in the 50s and 60s when disability was viewed as a deficiency, a limitation, something hidden, something to be pitied or tolerated. And over the past decades, I, my family, and really the world at large is seeing a huge shift in how we view disability, not as a deficiency, but as a difference, not as an illness, but as an identity. And we are beginning to understand as a community, we're not there yet, but we're moving in the right direction, that disability really challenges us to think more broadly about what it means to be human. We all don't have to walk, talk, think, speak, hear, sing, dance in the same way. The best way I can share this with our brief time together is to invite you to uh, sit back for five minutes and listen um, and see a little bit about our family's journey from those early years when we were crying into the puddles to many years later, mar marching with our kids at the first ever disability pride parade. And I have to tell you those in those early years, I never thought that I would be able to put disability and the word pride next to each other. So I just want you to sit back, take a deep breath. You're taking in a lot of information. And if I do all this right, um, we'll, we'll see some amazing photographs. Um, it's about a five minute piece. So, all right, here we go. To pride. For all those who marched at the Disability Pride Parade. When they first gave me the news my child had a disability and would forever have a label glued to his name, I discovered sounds in my throat I never knew existed. Howls, screeches, chokes, wails, hisses, snarls, groans, sobs. Even silent screams erupted from my throat, shattered the windows in my once called normal home. After my body emptied of all sounds, the tears came madly, streaming down my cheeks, my chest, sliding down the arms that clutched my baby, down my belly, over my faltering legs, raining over my heart into puddles. Puddles all around me, puddles everywhere, puddles I thought I would drown in. That was 19 years ago. Today, July 18th, 2004, on a balmy summer day in the city of Chicago, I stand on this street 
where there are no puddles, on this street where there are feet of every size, shape, age, and color, marching, shuffling, rolling, in the first ever disability pride parade. Yes, I said disability pride parade. On this street, there are wheels rolling, lovely legs limping, clenched fist raised high in the cloud-studded blue sky, beautiful bent smiles exploding with joy. On the street, there are blue, purple, and green banners blowing in the Lake Michigan breeze, crying out, We will not be silent. On this street, there are voices, mumbles, grunts, spit, hands moving in the air, shouting out, signing out, singing out, What do we want? Accessibility. When do we want it? Now. On the street are people who will no longer be shunned, excluded, no longer be overlooked, segregated, no longer be avoided, pitied, no longer be tolerated only on holidays and at charity balls. On the street, there is Naomi with her flashing dark eyes and her 60s take to the street attitude, hollering out, this is my community and we are getting on your agenda. On the street is Marlon, regal in his body and chair, singing James Brown with a twist. Say it loud, I'm disabled and proud. Rallying all young disabled activists to say it, shout it, sign it, and braille it in all caps, he adds. On this street is Sarah, who simply said, we need a parade, and one year later made it happen. On this street, on this street is my undaunted husband, who in 1968 marched for justice on these same streets and continues to march on streets all over this country. On this street is our son, Micah, whose label is not a source of shame to him, who says in his own words, I meet the best people in the world. On this street, I look around, turn to another mother who knows about puddles and say, this is how life should look every day on every street. On the street, there are no puddles, no puddles of shame. The glorious sunlight has dried them up. On the street, there are no puddles, there are no puddles. There's only pride, there is only Pride. There is only pride. So I invite you all, me included, to take a deep breath and whoops, I think I have to stop it. Sorry, but it stopped. Uh, let's see. There we go. Um, 
And if you are so moved in the chat, just jot down what emotion or feeling or experience as well, um, just to notice it, to be aware of it as well. So there's so many um, messages, I guess, that pop into my head as I watch it again. Um, and one of the things that I think churches and other important groups can do is help break the silence to begin to have open conversations about disability. Um, again, not as a deficiency, but as a, as a difference. Um, this, the, the films that we'll share with you are opportunities to have those kinds of discussions. The other um, that Lydia mentioned earlier, um, it, the word that I would capture is to really support our communities to value interdependency. No, as you know, no one is ever independent. And so one of the things that our family has learned to do to build that interdependency, to build community, is to learn how to ask for help, not with apology, but with dignity and intention. And that again, your communities are, are places that really we can begin to do that. Um, in our book and other articles that are on my website, you can learn more about how we've created through the support of many people, a circle of support around Micah. He lives 500 miles away from us with supports, but he has a circle that um, it, it assists him in making decisions about his life. So the church can be a place that does that as well. Um, I think also learning to um, engage people with disabilities or families that have children with disabilities so that they are participating in the conversations. How do we make our community or our churches more inclusive in a genuine sort of way, not a patronizing way that sometimes comes across? Um, I'm going to open it up. I think I might have a couple more minutes just for any specific questions that might come. So I invite that, but I'm gonna share one quick story uh, that sort of emphasizes um, uh, what, what we can learn from people with disabilities. So when Micah, um, Micah speaks now nationally around the country, both now in Zoom, as well as used to be in person, hopefully soon again, um, and he had to take um, a, a plane, which isn't always easy for him to do. He doesn't read or write the typical fashion, and he is a bit reluctant, especially when the turbulence hits. So I had picked him up. He was traveling by, him, by, his, by, by himself, and there was notably um, some pretty horrendous turbulence that occurred. So I knew when I would meet him at the baggage claim that, you know, he was going to be troubled. And indeed he was. And I looked at him and we hugged. And then I said to Micah, so Micah, how did you get through that time when the, the, you know, the plane was really shaking? And he looked at me and he says, mom, I turned to the person next to me and I told him that I was scared. And I asked him if he could hold my hand. And he did. And that's the world that I want to live in, right? Where I can express my needs and reach out to others. Won't always get them, but more times than not, we will. 
And I think that's something that the disability community that just um, can teach us is the importance of being able to reach out to others and to engage into what eventually can be a community.